This is the St. Longinus' Baptism Podcast Channel. This will be episode number 49. Don't fear what human beings can do to you on earth. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. So, while I was doing my meditations last night, a couple of 
scriptural quotes came to my mind. And I really, I really feel like because of what I suspect is going to come, this is especially important for people to know. Um, you know, there, there, there's a reason, and and I fear a lot of people don't understand this. There's a reason I keep hammering, hammering the spiritual life and getting closer to God and attempting to do His will. Because if you have the wrong spiritual understanding, if if you're not following the proper theology. Um, you know, you may think you're serving God, but when the trials and tribulations that I suspect are going to come, and we're getting a taste of it right now, but right now they haven't fully implemented what they plan on doing. As I've said in previous episodes, I truly believe that when the Great Reset gets fully implemented, that is going to be the Great Tribulation. When that time comes, um, a lot of people who think that they're close to God and that they're serving to God are going to fall away because as, as uh, St. Paul says this one, in one of their epistle, in one of his epistles, um, they're going to have a form, a form of godliness but lack its power. And so they're going to fall away. Now, having said this, there are two scripture passages, or the two scriptural passages are, um, I'm going to put them in the show notes. Okay. So the first scriptural passage is going to be from the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 19, verses 10 through 11. And I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, this is from the Dewey Rames translation. I'm not really happy with the Knox. It seems a little too modernist for me. But I'm going to try to attempt to put this into modern English. Pilate said to him, Why don't you speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and I have the power to release you? Jesus answered, You should... You should... You don't have any power against me unless it were given to you from above. Therefore, they that have delivered me to you have the greater sin. Okay, that's that's the first. That's the first style. That's the first. uh, uh, gospel um, quote. So 
to give context to those who may be unfamiliar. In this part of the gospel, according to St. John, um, Jesus has been brought before Pilate after he's been taken to Herod and the, uh, the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish religious council. And in, in, in case anyone doesn't know, the, the Jewish religious leaders did not have the power to condemn people to death under the Roman occupation. Before the Romans occupied Judea, they absolutely could put people that they considered heretics or blasphemers to death. Under Roman law, they could not. They did not. They had to go through the governor. And that is what they wanted. They wanted Jesus dead because Jesus was contradicting, not just contradicting, but um, they were angry because he was, they could see his miracles, but they were unwilling to acknowledge them because he did not fit their expectations for what they thought the Messiah was going to be. And for those of you who are unaware, their expectation was for a, a worldly king, like a King David type, who was um, going to have the Jewish version of the Roman Empire, except in, in their version, of course, instead of being pagan, it would be Jewish. And... You know, when when they when they arrested Jesus, they wanted him out of the way. Because, you know, they were upset because, you know, he wasn't he wasn't who they wanted him to be. And they denied his they denied his miracles. They saw him and they denied it. Because, well, this can't be. This, this guy who's performing these miracles, he's not doing what we expected. So he's obviously doing it by the power of Satan. Now, the whole purpose of this episode is not to expound on that, um, that area. So Jesus gets propped before Pilate. Pilate starts interrogating him and Jesus is is dead silent. He won't say a word. And Pilate, being a pagan, um, a former soldier, you know, he gets annoyed because I'm the power. I have the power of life and death over everyone in this, you know, province. Why aren't you answering me? I mean, Anybody who's ever dealt with an authority figure in the military, if you've dealt with an NCO or an officer, um, in civilian life, if you've dealt with a cop or a boss, you know, it's a natural human tendency that people who've been given authority get annoyed when you don't, when you don't jump through their little hoops. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing. He wasn't jumping through Pilate's hoops. Now, I want to stress, think of it this way. Jesus Christ 
is God Almighty. He created the universe, time itself, past, present, future, everything in here. To Jesus Christ, we are nothing but dust. We are absolutely nothing but dust. And so, just imagine if ants could talk. And you come across an ant, and it can talk, and you can hear it, and the ant tells you, do you not know that I have power over you to put you to death or to set you free? This is an ant we're talking about. Imagine what your reaction would be. It would be, now in Jesus' case, because he was holy, he had compassion and understanding, but at the same time, you know, who is this speck of dust that speak to me this way? You know. And that's the same, you know, the same thing. And so in the second verse, he says, you know, you have no power over me except what's given to you from above. That's the Dewey Range translation. It basically means you have no power over me except what God and his will gives you. Now, I had basically, I, I, I had heard, or no, I'm sorry, I had read in one of the Gospels where he said, don't you know I can call on 12 legions of angels to defend me? And I actually thought he had said that to Pilate. Looking back on it, I think he might have said it to one of his disciples, but the principle is the same. The principle is the same. If it was not his mission to die for us specks of dust, and as human beings, we tend to be wrapped up in ourselves and very narcissistic and not realize the immense humiliations and sacrifices Jesus performed so that we, specks of dust, Literal dungs or heaps of dung could have a shot at heaven. We tend to forget, you know, his power and his glory and his majesty. That's the bottom line. And, I, you know, what he said to his disciples could be applied to a pilot. If it was not his mission to die for us, he could have called down 12,000 angels. Not just 12,000 angels. He could have called all his followers. Now, granted, they may not have been as numerous as the, um, the, the Jewish people in Judea at that time who did not recognize him as the Messiah. It was a goodly amount, though. And at, so imagine... If it was not Jesus' mission to die for us, as unworthy as we are, and undeserving, I might add, the fact that people think that they're worthy and deserving of salvation and they take it for granted just boggles my mind, but I digress. If it was not his mission, he could have called down 12,000 angels. 
Now, for those of you who may not know, an angel is a pure spirit. An angel with its mere touch can kill you. Now imagine 12,000 angels coming down into Jerusalem and Judea and wiping out anybody who did not recognize Jesus' kingship. And then imagine Jesus' human followers, you know, who were maybe not as numerous, but there was a goodly amount. If they had, if, 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 if Jesus had said, um, dust them, just dust them. The, 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 not only would there be chaos in, chaos in that, in Judea, but, you know, anybody who understands the power of angels knows Judea would have been as bad as Sodom and Gomorrah was in the Old Testament. So, what Pilate was threatening Jesus with, and that's why I used the analogy of the ant. The ant can't do nothing to you. He doesn't have the power to do anything to you. So, you know, if an ant could talk and it threatened you, you'd be like, yeah, nice story, bro. <laughs> Go away. That's why I used that analogy. Now, anybody who's familiar with Catholic history knows that uh, Catholics, and once again, I need to make this disclaimer. When I say the word Catholic, I'm not talking the Vatican II sect who thinks they're Catholic. I'm talking about pre-Vatican II Catholics have been martyred throughout the ages. And... They, what, what, ma what makes the martyrs saints is the fact that they were threatened with torture and death, but rather than denounce God or blaspheme against him, they allowed themselves to be killed because they knew, they knew that the pain and suffering that they were going to go through under torture was going to be temporary, no matter how painful it would be. It was going to be temporary. But that if they blasphemed and denied God and got sent to hell, that pain and that suffering was going to be magnified by a million, and it was going to be for an eternity. Now, I can't throw no stones at anybody who can't wrap their minds around, like, eternity. Because, because as human beings, we are definitely, you know, flawed and limited. Um, unless you are an actual saint of God, a friend of God, I don't think any regular human being can wrap their heads around eternity. Because we are limited. And without God's grace and mercy, um, we, we, we simply can't get, grasp the concept. Now,
This leads me to the second gospel uh, quote. This is from the gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 10 through 28. I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse 28, where Jesus says, Fear not the man who can kill the body, but he who can send you to heaven or hell. And a lot of people who think themselves, and like I said, I'm not going to deviate from my core principle. I'm not counting Protestants. I'm not counting Vatican II members. And I'm not counting Eastern Orthodox. I'm talking about actual true Catholics or Sedevacantists. I think that there's a lot of them that don't even get that pretty plain spoken quote from Jesus. And, you know, it's it's very simple. Even as an uh, illiterate pagan, when I read that passage, when I first became a Protestant, I understood. Well, very, very dimly I understood. I've come to a better appreciation of it here in the past year. That no matter what people do to you here on earth, what God can do to you if you displease him is, is, as I said, a million times worse than what they can do to you. Because what eventually, eventually under torture or whatever, you're going to die. And if even if it takes you like 10 or 15 years to die, that is but a blink of an eye compared to eternity. And for those of you who consider yourselves true Catholics, I'm going to tell you what I pray for. I pray for fortitude and courage. The courage to stand for what is right. And to me, the only thing that's right is Jesus's and his, Jesus's and his heavenly kingdom's truth. That's the only thing that's right. And um, the fortitude. And for those of you who fortitude just means in plain English endurance, the endurance to to keep trying to serve Jesus in his his heavenly kingdom to the very end, no matter what may happen. No matter what may happen. And to go back to the the quote from St. John, where he said, told Pilate, you have no power over me than what's been given, given to you by God above. The Heavenly Father. Um, that ties into divine providence. A lot of people who consider themselves sedimacontists, who consider themselves true Catholics, can't it cannot grasp the concept that God is the uh, by the way, 
I need to make a clarification. I'm not saying all, but there's a segment of them cannot grasp the concept that God is the author of time and space. God is the author of everything. Everything that happens in your life, good, bad, or indifferent, is through his divine providence. So, um, you know, if for whatever reason there should come a time where you need to, to, to make a stand for the faith and your love of Jesus Christ in his heavenly kingdom, and you have to pay with your earthly life, that's God's divine providence. And the only way that whoever's going to martyr you can have that power is if it were not given to them by God the Father and his divine providence. That is why, that is absolutely why I keep hammering home divine providence. If you do not understand divine providence in the spiritual life, you're missing the cornerstone of the spiritual life. So, to summarize, the reason I keep hammering home the spiritual life and the cornerstone of the spiritual life, divine providence, without, without the spiritual life, you will lack the grace, the wisdom, and the discernment and that's all wrapped up in divine providence to understand that should somebody, well, let me, let me back up a bit. What I'm trying to say is without, without the things I just listed to face martyrdom. Religious martyrdom. And for that matter, let's just say you're not called. You're not called to be a martyr. Let's just say um, you're allowed to, to die a natural death. Without the things I just listed, you will not have the peace, the boldness, and... The um, yeah, the peace and the boldness. We can leave it at that. To to face your death. Now, obviously, when I'm when I say boldness, I mean when you know the Masonic uh, world, Masonic goombas come to your door and give you a choice of you know uh, blasphemy. Um, or apostasy or death, you're not going to have the boldness. And, and a lot of people get the boldness as, you know, worldly twisted up as, you know, spitting in their face or telling them to go pound sand. Um, if you read the lives of the saints, a lot of the, the early martyrs, well, actually, 
a lot of the martyrs, because there were martyrs during the Reformation, they just, you know, when they were threatened with that, they just looked their, their persecutors in the eye and said, well, I'm not doing it, so you might as well just kill me. Now, as far as natural death goes, a lot of people, when they're on their deathbed, if they don't have, and this, this includes people who consider themselves true Catholics, when they're on their deathbed, um, because they lack, you know, um, a spiritual understanding and wisdom and discernment, um, they fear even, even physical death. Now, from a natural understanding, it's it's very understandable from a natural, well, we all have to die. But it's, it's one thing to recognize that intellectually, but without the spiritual gifts, you know, I don't care how hardcore you think you are. When the time comes for your death, you're scared. Even if you don't admit it, to the people around you, inside, you are scared of dying. Now, I don't want anyone to get this twisted. I'm not saying that it's like this for everybody. Um, some people are complete and utter nihilists who don't care about the afterlife, who don't, or for that matter... <laughs> They don't even believe that there's an afterlife. So, you know, um, when they die, they, they literally don't care that they're going to die. As, as near as they are concerned, uh, it's just a ticket out of this miserable place that we've been put into. And some of them do end up committing suicide. And the more wretched of them not only commit suicide but they take other people who have nothing to do with their misery with them because you know I, I've never understood this mentality not saying that you know well I've never understood it completely but it's like well if I'm gonna die I'm gonna take a bunch of people with me why you, you know, if your life is miserable and you're killing a bunch of people that had nothing to do with what happened to you in your life, that you're just taking innocent life. And that makes you, that makes you to me, the ultimate and complete wretched scumbag that you are. Anybody who takes, and when I say the word innocent, I'm, I'm just saying innocent in the generalized sense. They literally had nothing to do with that person's, you know, issues. I'm not talking about spiritually. And I just want to close on this note. Um, Jesus
Actually, I, I don't want to make a, a statement that Jesus said this. I know it's, it's in the Old Testament. I believe it's in the book of Isaiah where God the Father says, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Meaning that um, that's, if you, if, you, if you read any decent traditional Catholic confession guide, we're not to desire revenge. We're not even, if you're striving for holiness, you're not even the one to be an instrument of God's revenge. Now, we are all God's instruments in one way or the other. But what I'm saying is, if you're striving for holiness, um, your key component is, is that you're to face whatever you're going through with the help of, of God's grace and blessings. And he will deal with the people who are troubling you or in some cases, martyring you. And just as a last point, I've oh, I uh, in the majority of my episodes, I I say I give this disclaimer. Everything that I'm talking about right now, I've been guilty of, either have been guilty or are guilty of, right now. And this particular sentiment is something that I'm working through. Because um, I've, I've never liked injustice. And obviously because I'm a fail, failed, flawed human being, I absolutely hate being treated unjustly. Now God has given me the grace Let me back that up. Um, one of the things that I struggle with is, is if I see injustice. And before last year, I wanted to take worldly revenge on those, you know, for the worldly injustices that occur. As of as of last year, the only injustices that I'm basically worried about is the injustices against God's truth, his church, and the heavenly kingdom. I mean, there's still the selfishness in me about the injustices for myself, um, but mostly I want to take vengeance on the people who are committing the atrocities, the blasphemies, the apostasies on a daily basis. I, I want to be, you know, or there, there are times when I want to be that instrument. And I have to back up and remember that quote that I just gave you, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Because... And I've actually heard said of a contest, priests and bishops say this. God is God. What are you, puny, puny, disgusting, weak, 
helpless individual going to do that God in his infinite justice and power can't do for himself? <laughs> I suspect in my case, it's a lot of um, egoism. And so um, they call it uh, singularity. That's That's basically where... You feel like you're the chosen instrument of God. And I'm going to right the wrongs. <laughs> that's, that's singularity. So anyway, guys, I uh, thank you for listening. And I hope and pray you guys got something out of this. Um, take this for what it's worth. Um... I'm praying for everybody and I would like to see as many people go to heaven as possible with the understanding that it's up to you to accept the graces that God has given to you and to be able to recognize them. Thank you for listening. Have a good day. God bless you. Bye-bye.